welcome to Barbato's Catholic Podcast, the show where two Mexican dads talk about faith, life, and culture. We are your hosts, Gustavo and Walter, and today we are going to talk about evangelizing through beauty with Father Don Klein. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by DiscountCatholicStore.com. They're your new go-to online shopping source for all traditional Catholic products. They have Catholic statues for indoor and outdoor use, statues from 8 inches to 24, 36, 48, and even 72 inches tall. DiscountCatholicStore.com is your source for traditional Catholic statues. You can get 15% discount on your first order with free shipping using the discount code BARBATUS. That is B-A-R-B-A-T-U-S. Visit DiscountCatholicStore.com today and use discount code BARBATUS at checkout to get 15% off on your first order. And now to the show. And uh, we're back. Thank you so much for being here with us, Father Klein. It's so great to have you on. I'm happy to be with you. Yeah. Thanks for asking me. That's amazing. I hope you, you don't feel like this is like a um, like a ruse to like tell you why did you leave us in Saint Jean-Marc. Don't know hard feelings. We just, we just need closure, Father. This is all. This closure. is all what this is about. You know, I can give you the bishop's phone number. You can give him a call. I mean, he um, put in his resignation already, so it's like it's fine. It's water <laughs> on power is greater than myself at work, here, <laughs> gentlemen. So I can only do so much. I think you have a slightly inflated view of what I can and can't do. Yeah, totally. <laughs> No, we know you were being obedient. We're just, just all in jest, all in jest. Um, that's amazing. We have some um, some facts about uh, Father Klein. Um, we know that you you were born and raised in in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, right? Yes. And uh, you've been a priest since June third of nineteen ninety five. Correct. Which is how many years? Is that my math. Oh my goodness, it's like twenty six years plus. Yeah, twenty six. Twenty seven now, right? Twenty seven mm-hmm. coming up June third, I think. Yeah, yep. that's amazing. And um, during that time, you have had several different appointments, including um, director for the diocesan office of vocations. So you saw many of the the younglings that that were coming into through seminary um, to be priest of the diocese. Um, then you, what year did you go to St. John of Arc? So I think that was around 2008 or 2009 when mm-hmm. I arrived there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember I moved to Phoenix in 2012 um, and you were already the pastor there. And then um, from St. John of Arc, um, Bishop Olmsted decided to um, have you be the pastor of St. Bernadette in Scottsdale. And then around that same time, I think um, you were appointed the Dean of the Northeast Deanery of the Diocese of Phoenix. Um, can you explain a little bit what being a Dean means? Yeah. So I was a, I was a Dean before that. Even while I was at Joan of Arc, St. Joan of oh, Arc, okay. I was the Dean. Uh, and so the Dean is like a, um, some places they call him the Vicar, uh, uh, Vicar Forain. That's what you see after my name, uh, the V and the F, Vicar mm-hmm. Forain. And the dioceses are typically broken up into vicariates or deaneries, okay. uh, kind of the same way of explaining, two words explaining the same thing. So our diocese currently has about, I think, nine deaneries, where, uh, and each deanery is assigned a dean. And our deanery, we're the Northeast Deanery, and we have about 18 parishes in our deanery, and over which, uh, which I oversee in some small capacity. Basically, that means I get to visit each parish 
And I get to visit with their parish council, their finance council, with their staff, answer any questions they might have about how you know they're doing with them, everything from finances to um, sacramental records. And it's kind of just like a way of helping the bishop to get a little snapshot of how things are going. So he doesn't have to um, visit all that because his, his schedule is so busy. He can't possibly visit all those parishes. Mm-hmm. And then another responsibility that we have as a dean is we get to, we have the opportunity to do confirmations and first mm-hmm. communions in the parishes. Because again, we uh, have the restored order, which right. is a whole nother episode, but uh, our, <laughs> yeah. our, our, uh, our diocese uh, allows for confirmation uh, and first communion to happen in the third grade typically. Mm-hmm. And so I remember, I don't know about you guys, but I was confirmed when I was in high school and that was the typical, and it is typical for many dioceses, but that wasn't always how that was the case. Back in the day, there, uh, early church, you were confirmed um, in the, and received those sacraments called sacraments of initiation during the, your, your first, uh, you know, early, early years of your life. Mm-hmm. And so when we went to that uh, restored order, that meant there would be a lot more confirmations in mm. there. Therefore, the, the bishop decided to come up with uh, the, the opportunity for deans to do those confirmations, first communions. Gotcha. So that's what I get to do as the dean. And so that's, to answer your question about why did I go to St. Bernadette, a dean will also go and cover parishes when a pastor is, uh, for whatever reason, not able to continue on his work. And as you know, at St. Bernadette, unfortunately, Father Pete Rossa, who was the pastor there for many years, died tragically. Yeah, yeah. And, um, then uh, Father Scott Sperry was there for a short stint, and then um, he he uh, 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 resigned very very quickly after his short time there, and um, for personal reasons. And but then I had the opportunity to go in and maybe cover and help out. So that's where I was just supposed to be as the dean helping out at Saint Bernadette, but that turned into more than just helping out, which meant after eleven years of being at Saint Joan of Arc, my first parish as a pastor, and that's always your you know, mm-hmm. stays in your memory as an incredible experience. And St. Bernadette or St. Joan of Arc was very gracious in helping to form me as a pastor. And I learned uh, so many incredibly and important lessons uh, and that I carry with me now and to be able to be at St. Bernadette now uh, with a school that has the largest school in the diocese, I believe over 600 students. And so it's kind of like two parishes in one. Oh, um, wow. St. John the 23rd, Saint right? St. John the 23rd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, that's, that's where I am currently. So for the past, I guess, three years, I've been the pastor there. Well, that's three years already. Wow. And the yeah. thing is like, it's a neighboring parish. It's, you're yeah. not that far from us. Seven minutes and 35 seconds down the road. <laughs> <laughs> if you make all the lights. If you make all the lights. Yeah. Well, Which is unusual to be that close. Yeah. A, I know. A, be, if the, the dinner is 18 parishes, you could be. Well, you could actually know. be assigned anywhere in the diocese. Anywhere in the diocese? Oh, yeah. I could be in the north, New Deanery. I could be up in Flagstaff, or I could be, yeah, as far south as, I don't know, um, how far south South we go. Central? Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Like the where or the Franciscans even, of the Holy Spirit are? Out in Levine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or East Valley, further east. It could be out. In, we go as far as, um, well, Aunt, uh, um, Goodyear, right? Yeah. That's, is it good year? That's very no, uh, that's now. west. Is that west? Yeah. Yeah, it's that's far west. On the east yeah. of Apache Junction, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Pretty close, yeah. Apache Junction, I believe, is in Tucson, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're a pretty large diocese Yeah. Um, as far as, you know, the, the, the miles, square miles. I mean, we have quite, cover quite a distance. We could actually almost be two dioceses. But there's been talk about that in the past, but mm. I don't see how that would happen. Mm. Yeah. So pray for but vocations because we need, we need more priests. Yes. 
Indeed, Um, please. Thank you for that plug. (laughs) Father wants to retire someday. (laughs) Yeah. Father Cello Ramirez uh, uh, calls Oliver his 401k. (laughs) (laughs) Like, hopefully. Amen. Um, So I I think, well, I'll I'll let Gustavo uh, do his own um, explanation of how he came to St. John of Arc, but I I moved here in 2012 in February, and then I moved apartments to an apartment on 44th Street in Thunderbird. So providentially, I ended up at St. Joan of Arc on a Palm Sunday. Um, and then after that, I was like, oh, they have a really nice choir. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I can sing. So I at that time, I think Adam was the, the music director. Adam Bartlett, yes. And... Um, and, I, and that's how I started to get involved in the uh, in the parish life, and I made most of my acquaintances and friends through the parish life. And through that, I met my wife, and the rest is history. Mm-hmm. That's great. <laughs> it's been been ten years um, that um, been going to Saint John Mark. So praise mm-hmm. be to God. Isn't that yeah. interesting that it was sacred music that the beauty of that music that attracted you. Initially. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For us too, it was the liturgy, and yes, the music. Um, aspect of it we were kind of like bouncing around in different parishes um we lived closer to central phoenix when we first moved out here and like nothing really stuck right nothing felt like home Mm -hmm. like our home parish Mm -hmm. felt like home until we moved to the house that we just left a a little while ago and my wife just said i'm just going to register us at the parish that's in our zip code and that's going to be our parish and i'm like all right that's good and it was St. John of Arc, you know, and it was, again, very, very providential because I think I've grown there um, faith-wise, you know, like like never before in my previous 28, 29 years. It's been such a blessing, you know, and I think having you as a pastor there, you you kind of like, and this reminded me a lot with the event that, that you guys just had at St. Bernadette's with that men's group night. Um because that's that had a feel like when we were first starting Estovir and, and kicking off that retreat, and that's how I kind of like first became involved in the parish with you guys because you invited me to be part of that core group of guys, you know. And I did the logo. I'm like, this is about as good as it's gonna get with me. So that's it. I can do logos. <laughs> uh, yeah. But you guys kind of like um, put together a really nice group of guys there that that were pretty instrumental in, in my growth. And then you invited me to apply for Tepeyac leadership initiative. And I was like, are you sure you got the right one, father? I'm like, all right. Well, Well, he asked both of us. Oh yeah, you're right. But only one got accepted. Only one got accepted. Chris Pereira. (laughs) Just kidding. Two men enter, one man leaves, right? (laughs) Because we're the same person. Exactly. Okay, we can only get one. Let's just get... (laughs) It would have... It, it would have imploded in itself if both of us the, would have been the there. First too much greatness in one place. <laughs> oh, thanks, Father. You're, you're too kind. <laughs> so, yeah. So, that's more or less how um, we got introduced. And when you got reassigned, my girls love you so much. And they cried their eyes out. And they said, promise me we're going to go to St. Bernadette's to Mass and see Father Klein. I'm like, I promise. He's like right down the street. Don't worry about it. And then we got a little bit of a cold spell where we didn't go to St. Bernadette's until my oldest started going to youth group there. Mm-hmm. So that's how we've been reconnecting again with you over there. And then obviously the the topic of the episode is about evangelizing through beauty and what you guys have been able to do at St. Bernadette's 
with the beautification project, it's nothing short of amazing. And part of the reason that we asked you here to, to be able to share with us and the listeners, you know, to, to walk us through what kind of like that the process was like and stuff like that and, and, and get into a little bit more of those details. So the, the church was finished before the beautification project, right? Because masses were being held in, in, the, in the building in and of itself. Yeah, so the uh, St. Bernadette was established in 1995 as a parish. And as many churches, Catholic churches, when they begin, it's usually in a hall or even in a, in a school uh, cafeteria somewhere, which is the same with St. Bernadette. But uh, in 1995, they were able to, I think, move. In, they, so shortly thereafter, they moved into the, the hall was built, and they uh, had mass in the hall, which is still there for the for 20 years. They were in the hall. Mm -hmm. And uh, because, as you know, I mean, building a, a parish uh, building proper is big financial undertaking, and a small community just doesn't have the funds to just start that up. So you have to have a, uh, you know, save your, save your pennies, and that's what they did for 20 years. Mm -hmm. um, but they also had a school on top of that, and that was established five years later. So 2000, they established the school. So they were they were kind of financially, you know, strapped for a while. And so when uh, Father Pete came along, his vision to, uh, which was always the vision, to build a church. They had the land, and so they wanted to build. He wanted to build a church, and completely inspired. Uh, I know in, in working with Father Pete, um, he was a seminarian for me, so I knew him for many years. And he would always call me when I was at St. Joan of Arc, and he'd say, you know, what do you, what do you think about this? He goes, come by and take a look at these plans. He was super excited, always just so happy to be able to share what was going on and what they were building. And so I would stop by there periodically, um, which as I look back on it, it really was kind of um, Holy Spirit-driven, mm -hmm. you know, to be a yeah. part of that from mm -hmm. the ground from the beginning. And um, yeah, so he built a beautiful, kind of a very a traditional looking, they call it cruciform church. Um, that that um, he, you know, with the help of Deacon Al and the building committee and, of course, the, the incredible support and generosity of the parishioners was able to uh, build that 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 structure in a, in a in a few short years. So that was completed, I think, about six years ago. And um, he had shared with me some of the, the the vision that he had for the interior, but obviously he, didn't never, he never got to, to follow up on that. Mm -hmm. But I had some idea, and so did Deacon Al. Um, Who's the deacon of the parish there now, Deacon Al Homsky, um, of what the entire interior would look like. And it included the stained glass windows, and that was always part of the plan, but he, he didn't know what to put in the windows, uh, so he wasn't quite sure. It's a it's a Marian church, obviously. Our, Our Lady of Lourdes uh, was the one who appeared to St. Bernadette in, mm -hmm. in France there at, at Massabielle in Lourdes and um, inspired you know her. And uh, so our parish is named after our, our patron, St. Bernadette. Well, we have a deep connection to Our Lady, and so there's many Marian images mm -hmm. that we'll be able to, I think, talk about here hopefully tonight that um, are scattered throughout throughout the church there, rightly so. So I, I was hoping just to kind of continue the vision of, of Father Pete Rasa, and and I'd always ask Deacon Al, and I said, you know, do you think he would be happy with this? And he goes, oh, I, th I think he would be happy. <laughs> he goes, I don't think I had this, he had all this in mind, but he said he thinks he would be happy. But I'm thinking he's probably got a much better uh, view that he's looking at right now in the beatific <laughs> vision. True. but. Yeah, for sure, one hundred percent. But um, the the first time that I that I got into Saint Bernadette, it was definitely I think breathtaking. 
just like following Saint Bernadette on Instagram and just waiting for that the uh, reveal, another, right? Yeah, the updates of oh, the, the updates. Yeah, that video when you were putting like the the gold leaf for the star mm-hmm. on the ceiling, that was, that was pretty neat to see. Like now you know which one. Do you know which one is oh, your I star? Do. I do. I know exactly which <laughs> one it was, but I never imagined that Instagram would take off. That was one of the videos that so many people commented on. I never knew people would be so fascinated about a priest putting a. <laughs> Gold leaf star in the ceiling is one of the you know thousands of stars up there, but apparently got a, a couple of likes. So yeah. it was a, yeah, it was definitely an eye opening experience. The whole thing, I mean, there were like fifty different artists working on it at any given point throughout the world. It was quite an under- undertaking, and they were able to actually um, complete it once they got in the building in about five and a half or six months. Oh wow, from that's start pretty to finish, incredible. Which is amazing. I mean, that's incredible. It went from no- nothing on the walls to what you yeah. see today. Yeah. So, but there was a lot of, about a year and a half preparation that went into that and a lot mm-hmm. of prayer. So the first thing I did was I established a prayer, a prayer team. Mm-hmm. That was the first thing we wanted to do. And Perfect. so we had people who would go before our Lord in adoration and, uh, because you know, whenever you're going to do some kind of work like this for the Lord, it's going to, there's going to be attacks. Mm-hmm. And there were, mm-hmm. there were a lot of, you know, little things that would just happen, you know, just to kind of irritate you. They would have, wouldn't have this, or this person would be sick or this wouldn't be in stock. And it was just, you know, a constant thing. And we did it. Really, right at the started the, the at the process, um, kind of in 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 the when when COVID was just kind of picking you know, up, right? Picking up, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, there wasn't any. We weren't sure, you know, even if people would be able to travel and and, mm-hmm. and can come because the artist, the Conrad Schmidt, um, is the company that did this, uh, and they, you know, had their their staff had to fly here and live here f- for the those those six months. They actually had to 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 rent a Airbnb and live here. I mean, leave their, their families, their husbands, their wives and come here to wow. be a part of this. So yeah, it was quite undertaking. And like the, the, even like the, the scaffolding, which was tons and tons of metal throughout the church. If you see our Instagram, you see all, yeah. saw that scaffolding. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was just one whole team from Chicago who came in and set that up in four weeks. Um, just, just to get, That's get incredible. Yeah. To start yeah. the painting project and the stained glass windows and all that you see. That's, That's amazing. amazing. Um, so in, I'm probably going to get the, the names of the, the parts of the church wrong, but on the, I think it's the nave. Yes. The main uh, body of the church. The main body of the church. Mm-hmm. There are eight panels. Right. On the ceiling there. Um, that are describing the life of Mary, right? Yeah. It's, 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 it's uh, yeah, from the very, you know, kind of the onset where we have the Annunciation would be the first uh, window that we have there. And it goes right up to, from there to Mary at the foot of the cross. So, um yeah, it, it's kind of depicting, you know, Our Lady, but always Our Lady pointing to Our Lord. And so, uh, know, our, know Our Lady, know Our Lord, you know, in a sense, <laughs> right. right? It was her fiat, her yes to, to the, to the our Archangel Gabriel who gave us, you know, our, our Lord Jesus. But so she points the way, but we thought, since it's a Marian church, like I said, we wanted to depict the life of Mary on the ceiling. And that's what it was. It was eight, it's eight scenes uh, of the life of Mary. That's amazing. Which one is your favorite? Oh, that's a tough one. I mean, <laughs> you look at them. I, I probably like the nativity, uh, this, the, the scene there, the colors. It almost looks 3D when you're sitting there looking at it. I almost thought, you know, so many people when they walk in there next, they go straight up. You can, they, say, they start to, they're joking now. You can tell the St. Bernadette parishioner by the way that their neck is kind of, <laughs> their head is always looking up because yeah. you, you can't help but look up at the, the rich, rich colors. But the scenes are so, so um, just, uh, uh, and inviting to be able to look and so you, you can spend a lot of time even now I, I go in there and i just can i'm not i don't i'm not tired of looking at it I no never get tired no you don't get tired of it mm-hmm. and you discover something new every time that you go at least mm-hmm. i do yeah you know and um 
the the first impression that I got when you look above the altar, and for people that haven't haven't been, this is an invitation, nay, an exhortation for you to go and visit Saint Bernadette, because it's just amazing to behold. Um, but on top of the altar, there's literally having heaven opening up, mm. right? And we have Our Lady surrounded by by several saints. Um, and it just looks like it's glowing. That's the sense that I get. Everything looks like it's glowing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the, the Baldacchino. Yep. The Baldacchino is, yeah, that's definitely glowing. That's the, the that's gold, gold, gold mm-hmm. leaf top. Yeah. yeah um, it's so bright. That matches the stars are also 23 karat gold leaf, which again is not a, a small undertaking to have to individually apply each one of those Yeah, little tiny squares, like, you know, three inches by three inches. And that's how they had to cover that entire Baldacchino. Uh, wow. <laughs> so I have uh, sure pictures with that. That's on the, our Instagram account too. And see, that's amazing. So um, then the, um, in the, the main crossing of the church, mm-hmm. there's a picture of God the Father. Uh, well, not a picture, a painting of God the Father um, holding Jesus. Um, that so, one is also... yeah so amazing you don't see that the typical depiction of the trinity mm-hmm. um it is it is there there have been artists who have shown uh, the image the more, more, most popular one i'm not quite sure who the artist is but it's god the father and he's holding jesus uh, his son uh while he's on the cross and right. you see mm-hmm. god the father's arms kind of extended yeah. out to holding the cross beams of the cross and his son and then the holy spirit kind of hovering i think above right above them so this is a version of that it's kind of almost like the pieta Yes. Where God the Father's uh, Mary's holding her, you know, her son uh, after the crucifixion, after he's taken down from the cross. Well, this is God the Father holding His son um, after he after he's died, and with the Holy Spirit kind of nestled in there in between the two. So it's it isn't actually a, a picture of the Trinity, but it's not one that you would typically see with the deceased, you know, uh, our Savior deceased in His Father's arms. Yeah, that th- I thought that that was like pretty unique. Um, that I hadn't seen before. Um, and then um, I know that to the to the sides where um, I know that you mentioned earlier that the church is pretty much uh, built in a cruciform right. uh, fashion. To the left, you have the um, statue of Our Lady. To the right, you have statue of Saint Joseph. There's a, a huge painting of Saint Bernadette. I think it's on on the side no, of on the left side on yeah. the left side mm-hmm. in. Um, there's still one that is, it's, it's on the way, right? Right, right. So these are some of the attacks we were talking about earlier. <laughs> um, so there are a couple of things that aren't finished. There's some six stained glass windows that are still being worked on, which are probably going to be my favorite uh, okay. images in the entire church. So I can't wait to see those. Those are lo- located in the in the uh, confessionals in the north entrance of the church. So two of them will flank the main uh, entrance doors on the north side of the church, and then there will be two in each confessional. So a total of six windows on the north side of the church that aren't in yet. They're being worked on right now. The stained glass is, I, I don't know. I mean, that could be a whole other episode mm-hmm. as well, just creating the stained glass. Because these are handmade, hand-painted, which then they have to fire in a kiln at 900 degrees for several hours or something. It's just crazy. Wow. Seems pretty straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they do it the same way we do or whatever. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's amazing. And then, the, so yeah, the paintings on the left side, as you look at the altar, in the, they're called the transepts, um, be kind of at the, the, the crossing of the church. On the left um, would be the image of Our Lady uh, uh, as she appeared to 
Saint Bernadette at Massabielle in uh, mm. in France. It lures there, so it's kind of a just a rendition of that. Again, it's not an exact kind of photo, you know, kind of uh, you know uh, recollection of it, but it's kind of the artist artist's rendering mm-hmm. of Our Lady as she appears to to Saint Bernadette. But what I love about that picture is that it it almost like it's Mary looks like she's glowing. Yeah, it looks three D. It looks three D. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think the artists are amazing. So that was one artist who did that one, who is the same artist that was working on the other, um, the other side as well, which is going to be um, coming hopefully before Easter. And again, it's large, giant mm-hmm. uh, 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 picture of the Holy Family. Oh, okay. And it's an image uh, that is again kind of unique. And I can you can hear it here first. You're getting an exclusive scoop exclusive. here. Here we go. <laughs> so it's. Um, Joseph at a workbench. I wanted to have definitely Joseph kind of showing, depicting him as his, you know, doing his job as a carpenter. Sometimes we, you know, we forget Jesus grew up, you know, as a carpenter yeah. working with his father. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that image is right by the the cry room, by the way. Oh, so that's I thought, awesome! Well, there would be families there. It's not a coincidence. It's <laughs> not a coincidence. Yes, completely yes. planned. Yes, so it'll have uh, Joseph working at his workbench in front of their home there in Nazareth. And then Mary's sitting there, and she's kind of needlepointing. And then you can see she's needlepointing. It looks like kind of the, 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 the threads will kind of go into a little basket at her, at her feet, and it's going to be uh, a, um, the, the, the seamless garment that Jesus would wear at his crucifixion. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So there's that. And then Jesus is about a 10-year-old boy, and he's coming before, you know, standing before Joseph, kind of walking towards him. So Jesus, you kind of see kind of a back or side profile. And in his hands, he's made a little wooden cross. Oh, man. And he's kind of presenting it to them to show them. So it's a very kind of deep, lots of hidden, you know, beautiful meanings there that, that can kind of get your attention. So, you know, something for the families to talk about, you know. For sure. Yeah. That. yeah. that sounds very similar. We have a um, a small print of, it, it's kind of like the same scene as St. Joseph in his workshop with Mary and baby Jesus or the child Jesus, but it, um, with St. Therese of Lisieux, St. Therese of Lisieux, um, re, uh, with arms open to the, to the child Jesus. And then in the opening, she, she is at the threshold of the door, but then on the back, you can see Calvary with the three crosses. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's one of like the, the most, um, unique things that I've seen in terms of like depicting, um, those hidden years mm-hmm. of, of Jesus, which that's a great way to put it. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's fantastic. Um, one of the other uh, questions that I had uh, was in, in the apps, there's a number of saints um, in, and we know because we, we've seen it, that the, the patron saint of the, this podcast, bless, bless us Alan's Casey is in there. Um, and, and there's a whole bunch of like um, North American saints in it and i know from a good source that deacon peter ariema had his hand in that decision to some extent oh yes deacon <laughs> peter he's been uh yeah amazing throughout this process because he his his undergrad when he was studying in rome was in i believe um sacred art and no literature uh, literature and and uh and art or something architecture something like that mm-hmm. but his background he had at least um, he, the guy's many, many talents, but yeah. he brought uh, his, his input was invaluable for this whole process because he, he's you know, obviously a man of faith, but he knew many of these saints uh, and deep devotion to many of these saints that were there. But the, the reason we chose them 
as we were looking, if, you know, Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception is the patroness of the Americas. Mm. And so these saints are all saints of the Americas. So um, it's not all of them. There's also blesseds as well. Um, so that's why they are flanking our blessed mother in the, in the apps, what we call the apps. You were calling the glowing kind of heavenly beatific vision is uh-huh. what, what right, that right. is. So it's, it is. When you would look to the sanctuary, you want to see the Holy of Holies. You, you know, that's where the tabernacle is. That's where the, the mass, you know, the sacrifice of the mass takes place on the altar. But your eyes want to be, you want to be drawn up when you walk into a church. That's why church ceilings are oftentimes so high. So high. To kind of draw your eyes up to the heavenly realm, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's where Father uh, Pete definitely got got that right in building such a, a, a tall church. It seems like, well, it's, what a what a waste of space. Well, no, absolutely <laughs> not. The church is, you know, it's meant to draw your eyes to the heavenly, you know, to the beatific vision, to the you know the glory of God. And so this community of saints are, are there, and they're meant to uh, inspire us. But all of these saints and blesseds had some, you know, input or. Um, connection with with both the United States and South America as well, so that's why they are there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of your favorites is there into uh, Saint uh, Damien of Molokai. I've been to yes, well, I've been to his. Uh, I've been to Molokai actually um, with Deacon Peter and his wife, and um, that to be in the chapel that Father Damien built with his own hands on Molokai. And to celebrate Mass on the very altar that he built with his hands was unbelievable. Yeah, I'll never forget that. So, yeah, yeah and what he did and the sacrifice, you just are so inspired by the lives of these holy men and women. But uh, and, and then, in, in, yeah, all, all that he did to make the suffering of the, um, uh, the, 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 the lepers there on Molokai that were for all, you know, rest of humanity were just re- rejected, you know, outright and, and kind of just cast aside as, you know, deplorable. And um, so they were all kind of shunned to this island of Molokai and um, there was no one to care for them. And so many of them would just die unloved and alone. And so, you know, uh, St. Damien wanted to give them the dignity that they deserved and uh, responded to God's invitation to, to leave his, the comforts of his home to travel to Molokai. And, and as, as we know, he, that's where he uh, eventually Came down, you know. Um, he contracted contracted leprosy, leprosy himself. himself yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, we we could we could talk about the beautification process for for a long long time, but um, I guess the the important question or what what we want to Tie communicate to. to people yeah. is okay. Why is it important for us to have um, good architecture? And in beauty. our churches and beauty and like uh, beautiful paintings and uh, gold leaf um, in in the walls and things like that. Yeah, great great question. You know, you know, it, it, because to to the person who's just walking in off the street, they would look at this and they would think, "Wow, that seems like such a waste." Mm-hmm. You know, that this money could have been spent on you know things that are you know feeding the poor, you know, and, and helping you know um, other needy folks in, in their culture. Well, I think. It is helping needy people are called. It is feeding the poor in a way that it offers them an, a, a, an opportunity to be inspired, uh, to to um, be able to encounter the, the the divine. You know, in a culture that's often very kind of horizontal in its approach. You know, just kind of look at the earthly and what's here. I think people need to be inspired, and so we, that's you know, I don't think churches could be beautiful enough. You know. Because mm-hmm. I think people need to be inspired. I think people need to find hope. 
And, um, and I think that that's what it does for all walks of life. I think beauty is, is transcendent. I think beauty, um, they, they call it the, you know, the, the transcendent, trans, three transcendentals, truth, goodness, and beauty. Um, all point to to God and everything from the architecture to the, you know, the, the furnishings um, to the art, all of that is meant to kind of represent the kingdom of God and draw us into that great meeting um, uh, of heaven and earth. And the heart of that, of course, is the mass. So Also, I think it's meant to separate the, your everyday encounterings with how you worship, right? I mean, as Catholics, we're called to go to mass at least once once a week and and for us to go from an office that's like um neon lit or like you know and and cubicles and very square and and just typical north american architecture right and then you go into a building that's pretty much the same so your 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 mood doesn't change essentially you're you're coming from one place to another without really acknowledging that you are there for a different purpose. So for me, you know, the, the, the point of the episode is evangelizing through beauty, beauty and why is that important? I think in a culture where it's so, beauty is so subjective, you know? I mean, everybody just makes art and they can sell it and they can make money of it, but it has no intrinsic value other than what that person gives it, right? But in terms of like, actual art that is appreciated and, and transcends right pretty much time and 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 generations that's where i think real beauty comes in and draws people i mean beauty will always draw you in and that's exactly what the beautification project for me did right i'm mean, not not that we weren't going to mass but it's just you get to a point where you're like you're in awe and and like you said, a church can never be too beautiful because we are adoring the Almighty, you know. And 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 He is, we're meant to worship like that. So, from from your perspective, why is evangelizing through beauty, especially in today's culture where it's like so whatever, so important, you know? Yeah, I mean, there there are all kinds of, of beauty that that we can find in our culture. The beauty of you know God's creation. You know, you go to the Grand Canyon, you can't help but be in awe and wonder. You know, as you stand there and look at the, the magnitude of God's incredible or a beautiful sunset. You know, or just the, um, the beauty that we obviously find in in you know one another. Hopefully, as uh, humans, you know, kind of the beautiful. You know, we are a reflection of the image of of God. But I, I think you know, in, as far as beauty in the churches. Ultimately, the hope is that it would lead you to a deeper relationship with our Lord, mm -hmm. right? That's in his church. And that relationship would hopefully lead us to a deeper commitment to our, you know, being a disciple, you know, day in and day out. We need to, we need to be inspired. You know, so, so like I would go into, you know, I got to thinking I'd go into, a, you know, a hospital that's near here. I mean, they just redid their lobby and it's stunning. You go in and it's a beautiful layout. The lighting is beautiful. The woodwork is beautiful. And it's a hospital. You know, or you go into a bank and sometimes, you know, these banks have these mm -hmm. marble countertops, yeah. and, you know, and you just think, wow, if that's a bank and a hospital, I mean, how much more should our churches, you know, point to, to beauty and specifically, you know, not just beauty in general, but specific beauty that leads us to a deeper relationship with the divine, right? Because Holy Mass, think about it, it's where heaven and earth meet mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. on that altar. And, you know, and again, in our culture that is oftentimes just really, you know, so much of it is just mundane and, mm -hmm. un, you know, uninspiring 
um, we need to be inspired because I think in beauty we find hope and in hope we find healing and we, you know, um, we find it in, especially in churches, just a place to be inspired and to kind of leave the cares of the world uh, behind or bring the cares of your own personal cares to the Lord and know that this is a place where I can encounter, uh, you know, God in his goodness and experience holiness and, you know, life at, at, you know, at its core, you know, who we are and what we were made for. We were made for heaven. Mm-hmm. Right. right. And I think our hearts and our minds are, we were drawn, you know, our heart as St. You know, Augustine says, we're, you know, they're restless until they rest in thee, until, you know, we want that encounter with the Lord. And hopefully that a beautiful church uh, can do that and, and beautiful liturgy can do that. And, you know, as, you know, uh, Gustav, as you were saying, you were inspired by the, by sacred, you know, music, I believe, or no, no, Walter. Yeah. Like both mm-hmm. were. <laughs> but yeah, to inspire you um, to, to, to a different place, you know, that's, that's meant to be heaven. Especially with that organ that you guys have now, oh, yeah. that that's a, a whole other topic. But on top of great architecture and great um, paintings and and things that are adorned in the, the beautiful um, rail that you have on on the altar and all all these beautiful things. On top of that, you have the biggest organ <laughs> that I have seen in, in my life and, and, uh, a music director that, uh, sings heavenly and, and probably is, do you have a scholar by now? We have a scholar. We have several, actually. We have a children's choir. That's just a children's choir. Just obviously every time I just melt because their voices are so pure mm-hmm. and you're just innocent and lovely in that church. But, um, yeah, we have an adult, adult scholar as well. And um, actually, this weekend, if I can give a little plug, uh, Floriani, which is a sacred music uh, group in our diocese that we're blessed to have, that uh, sing around the country, but they are located here in, in Phoenix at St. Anne's. Actually, I think St. Anne's is in Gilbert, but uh, they're going to be here this weekend uh, at our uh, church. I don't know when this podcast is going to be. It's coming out on Tuesday after the fact. So after but, the fact. So but they wear, at St. Anne's, they probably wear fantastic. They were fantastic. <laughs> they are fantastic and will be fantastic, yes. So Floriani is a, a group that really is trying to revitalize Gregorian chant. Oh, wow. And, um, so they're coming. But yes, the, the, the choirs are amazing. And to be supported by that pipe organ, which is, yeah, like you said, a whole podcast unto itself, the history of pipe, pipe organs, which... Go back, you know, before the time of Christ, actually. Um, they were used in, the, in Olympiads, mm. I guess, in different ways to announce, you know, the emperors or whatever. So a version of an organ was, you can trace back to early, early history. But um, yeah, our, so our organ is about 3,000 pipes, some 60 ranks, um, which are sections of pipes. And then there's, um, I don't know, 80 stops and three manuals. And yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like a, a complete orchestra up mm. in here, up in our choir loft. Okay, so how many people know how to play organs like these? Yeah, you know, unfortunately, not enough. Um, we're blessed at St. Bernadette to have four uh, very accomplished organists. Um, well, three and a half. Brina says she's about half. Okay. <laughs> Brina's our <laughs> sacred music director, but she can play uh, if she needs to. Um, but yeah, we're very blessed. Arizona State, actually, Arizona State University has a very good music program there. Mm. That's where we find a number of our um, cantors come there, from mm. there. Rena was actually a student of ASU. And um, so uh, we have our, our current organist that plays most of the time is from there as well. Okay. But, uh, he's, he's getting his doctorate in music right now and wants to go on and perform nationally as well. But we're blessed to have him as long as we can keep him. Nice. Wow. Mm-hmm. That is fantastic. But again, it's, it's like um, 
when when you tell people that like, well, I listen to Gregorian chant, they look at you like you're like the weirdest person mm -hmm. on earth. Mm -hmm. um, but that is that making the mass out of this world, um, which I think it, it it's a good thing in and of itself. And um, in especially like Gustav was saying that if when you go to mass is it looks like everything else that you find in the world, then it's not special at all. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and making it so that um, it is like an oasis from everything that is going on, all of the noise that is going on in the world. There's, you go there, I, I love how you, you put it. When you, when you see the beauty, you, you have hope and that hope brings healing. That is just so necessary, especially now where a lot of people don't have that something That is God that they need in their lives. Yeah. I look at it like a, a refuge from the, the trials and tribulations that so many of us face in our day-to-day -day activities. I want it to be transcendental. I want it to be a place where you can go. You know, the church has sometimes been depicted as a field hospital. Mm. Well, what's a field hospital? What's well, a place where wounded warriors would come, you know, who are wounded in battle would come and find healing. And so I look at the church as a place for opportunity for people to come in from, you know, being beaten up or bruised in the world. And their in their day to day, you know, activities at work or at home, to be able to come to the church and find in that place a, a place of healing as well, where you can bring those cares and concerns and lift them up to the Lord, you know, as the priest elevates the the paten and the chalice, um, where you see yourself placing your cares and concerns and them also being lifted up, uh, kind of as a offering to our Lord that He would transform our lives as well. That's beautiful. Yeah. I was reading an article that, that you shared uh, for this episode and uh, um, that Bishop Barron wrote, and he's saying that, um, talking about evangelizing through beauty and stuff and all of this topic, he says that Hans Urs van Valtasar, um, his approach to the aesthetic said that the beautiful claims the viewer, changes him, and then sends him on a mission. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, I mean, because... When you see a good movie, you know, you want to share it and you want to say, hey, have you seen this? And, and you recommend you watch it. it. You know, you need to watch it. Um, that's kind of like what St. Bernadette did, at least to us. You know, we've been like, like sending pictures. Yeah, we need to be, we're sending pictures to family members that don't live here. Say, you got to come, you got to come see it. We've been sharing it on social media every chance that we get. Obviously, the, the, the reveal weekend, you know, I think we were like, Uh, in line for about four hours. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's like the new iPhone. It's like the new iPhone was dropping. Yeah. Well, why not? But, but it was, it was just um, way too important, you know, and I think a, a, a great deal of credit, obviously to everybody that worked on the project and, and for your team that kind of brought it to fruition, but starting with father Pete and his vision and the architecture itself, it's just, the architecture itself without the paintings was already breathtaking. Now, now wrapping it in on all of these beauties, uh, it's just it just takes it to a whole different level. So many props to you, Father, and to your team over there uh, and to the Diocese of Phoenix for really recognizing, you know, where where um, you were needed most. And and we can't wait to see what else comes from St. B's and uh, we'll definitely be watching. Well, thank you. I, I, I'm excited to see what the Lord is going to do next. I know. Oh my goodness! We could we could keep talking about this. I maybe we'll keep this. We'll, we'll bring you over next for like how you remodeled the 
um, Perpetual Adoration Chapel because oh, that yes. looks fantastic. Mm -hmm. well. it looks great. Oh, yes, with and all the relics of the saints. Some 50 saints are there plus, yeah. And did you put our, your relics in there? I did. I had some relics, and Father Pete had some relics as well. So it's a compilation of both ours. And also you have to come back. We have to have me come back for the grotto. Oh, yes. Just, just give, give us a little hint yes. to what that's going to be. Well, the grotto is going to be a depiction of, or a rendering of what you saw, what you would see in Lourdes with, mm -hmm. a, with Our Lady where she appeared to Bernadette. And so, again, I've never seen anything like this in, in Arizona. There, it's Both the church and this are meant to kind of obviously uh, help us to, to have experience heaven on earth. But this grotto will be a, a clear depiction of of what uh, Bernadette would have uh, encountered when she saw it, when the lady, our lady appeared to her at, uh, in, in Lourdes. Now this will be repurposing the original statue that was on top of the altar. Yes. Is that correct? That's right. Cool. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And approximately by when would it be available for people to see it? Well, so we've just met with the architect and um, he's giving, he's providing us some renderings. And um, so as soon as he can start uh, building on it. So in the coming months, Oh, how exciting we'll break ground yeah that's, that's amazing awesome. well um father would you give our listeners uh, your blessing of course heavenly father we give you thanks and praise for this opportunity to gather and to speak about the beauties the ways that you reveal your goodness your love for us and inspire us uh, to live holy lives I ask lord your blessing upon all of those who participated in listening to this podcast this evening or this at this time in their life and we pray that it may bring them to a deeper relationship with our lord jesus as well May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And we want to thank you for listening to this episode of Barbatos Catholic Podcast, the show where two Mexican dads talk about faith, life, and culture. If you would like the podcast or got something out of this episode, please share it with your friends and family. Subscribe, like, comment, rate, and review if you haven't. And if you're feeling extra generous, you can buy us a coffee. Go to buymeandcoffee.com slash barbatos and follow the instructions. If you buy a coffee, you automatically get a shout out in one of our episodes. In today's episode, shout out goes to Dulce. Dulce, Dulce is Valdez. A, Dulce Valdez is a, is a um, cohort member of TLI and super appreciative for her friendship and everything she brought uh, to, to our time at TLI. So thank you so much, Dulce. And if you don't like the podcast, well, just keep it to yourself and let others make their own mistakes. You can find the show notes for this episode at barbatoscatholicpodcast.com. And on social media, we are on Instagram at Barbados Catholic Podcast and St. Bernadette. You can find them on Instagram at St. Bernadette Scottsdale. I believe, yes. Yes. And uh, check them out. We're going to put it in the show notes anyways. And bless us, Alanis Casey. Pray, Pray for, for us. us. Pray Until for us. the next time.